So those of you who don't know me, I'm Liz Machel, and I have the privilege of overseeing the children's ministry here. So if you are a parent, you have probably met me down the other end. If you've not, you may not have done, because it's not so often I make it up here to the adult service. Um, I'm going to launch straight in and look at our verses for this morning, and I'd love you just to reflect on them and what stands out on them as kind of your gut, your first response. Matthew 9, verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I wonder how you feel about these verses this morning. Just take a minute to let them sink in and think about what stands out. Maybe you are excited about the idea of a bountiful harvest and excited about kingdom work. Perhaps you feel like me, that our church is entering a season of bountiful harvest. But I wonder how you feel about this idea of God calling us to work. I wonder for some of us here, if we just feel tired and overwhelmed by life with no spare capacity for any extra work for Jesus or anyone else. I'm sure in a group of Christians this big, there are some who have been burnt out by commitment to church before and are very wary of getting involved in anything ever again. And I wonder if you think I'm going to be extolling the virtues of joining a rota, working harder for Jesus, and you've already switched off. I have certainly been in all of those categories (laughs) over my walk with Jesus. And I've been mulling this passage since January when Stephen Lynn asked me to speak, and that word work has really got under my skin. Um, So as we look at this passage together this morning, I'd like to put your reservations aside if you have them, as we look again at what it means to work for Jesus. Because I don't think adding one more thing to our to-do list or burning ourselves out is what Jesus has in mind. I'm always trying to reconcile this idea of wholehearted serving of Jesus, sacrificial serving, against Jesus' promise that his burden is light. I love the message paraphrase of the verses that come a little bit later in Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And just notice there that actually we are working with him, but it's not supposed to be too much. I don't think um, Jesus wants to exclude ourselves from his kingdom work because life is too hard or we're too broken. There is work to be done and he has a bespoke role for each and every one of us. And I hope today we can see a way to be like his disciples and sold out for Jesus, but not burnt out for Jesus. Now, I'm a big picture kind of person and I love to see how these words fit in the big picture of the Bible. So these words about harvest... And the gospel writers, Matthew in this case, have carefully curated their accounts. Luke tells us he has written an orderly account from all the eyewitnesses. And John explains that Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that are written. 
So they've chosen their words carefully, and by paying attention to what comes before and after, we can better understand what Matthew, why Matthew's included these verses here and what their significance is. I wonder what springs to mind when you think of the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would usually summarize them for our kids as the bits of the Bible about Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. The disciples are there with him, hearing his teaching, seeing the miracles. They are companions and witnesses. They get their turn to do the kingdom stuff after Jesus dies and rises again, which is recorded in the next book of the Bible, which is Acts. And that's mostly true. The focus of Matthew's gospel is on Jesus. But this passage that we're looking at this morning is one of the exceptions to the rule and comes right before Jesus sends out his disciples to do the stuff themselves. So let's have a quick whistle-stop tour of the beginning of Matthew's gospel. So the first few chapters tell us about Jesus' birth, his baptism, his temptation, and the calling of the first disciples. And then in chapter 4, Jesus' ministry starts in earnest, and Matthew introduces it with these words. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness amongst the people. News spread about him all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. So Jesus' ministry is one of teaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and demonstrating the coming of his kingdom with miraculous healing. Then we have a few chaps in Matthew where he explains in more detail what he was teaching, often called the Sermon in the Mount, and the details of some of those healing accounts, including raising a girl from the dead. Then Matthew uses those almost exactly the same words again. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness. So we have those two bookends, before and after the accounts that explain some of Jesus' ministry, the teaching, the message of the kingdom, and the healing. So that section is over, and something new is coming. And it's at this point we come to the verses I want to concentrate on today. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. And off they go. Jesus' ministry has become a team ministry and he's sending out his disciples. I don't think it's giving too much of the rest of my talk away to say I think God is calling us today to pray and be workers in his harvest field, to join his ministry of teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Um, In the message, those last few verses are translated, the prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called his 12 followers and sent them out into ripe fields. He gave them the power to kick out the evil spirits and tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. And isn't this so often the way? We ask God to send someone and he says, hey, I send you. So as we look at the passage, I think we'll find some key principles for for making being sold out for the kingdom at work sustainable, and to stop us getting overwhelmed and burnt out. And it starts with compassion. The last time we saw these words, now when he saw the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountainside and taught them. 
But things are moving on in Jesus' ministry, and this time he sees the crowd. He's moved by compassion, and it's time to send that team out. First, the 12 disciples, later 72, and then um, first to the lost sheep of Israel, and then to the whole world. We see Jesus is moved by compassion. So it got me thinking, what is compassion? I think compassion is heartache. It's gut ache. It's heartache that moves us to action. Um, It's heartache that says, this is not right, and I will do something about it. It's heartache that sees the situation of the refugees in Calais and leads Rich and Becky Snaith to start our refugee compassion ministry. It's heartache that leads so many of you to serve in storehouse. It's heartache that led Mim Janetta to start the Make Lunch Ministry here, feeding hungry families in the school holidays, or Margaret Lochin to start to, with her team to cook for the homeless each week. I've invited some of these people to come into the children's ministry and share their heart of compassion with the children, and I wish there was time to invite them all here this morning, because I'm sure many of us will be stirred by their compassion um, and inspired to join with them. And I think... If you are unsure what God is calling you to, just start with compassion. Where, what is he showing you? Where are the hurts? And follow your compassion. Um, and I think it starts with Jesus' compassion. He looked at the crowds. The disciples weren't looking at the crowds. He looked at the crowd and his heart ached. He feels it in his guts and he's moved to action. And I think Jesus looks at our world today and his heart aches. He feels it in his guts and he's moved to action. And my prayer for us as a church is that we will open our eyes, that he will break our heart for what breaks his. Um, But that is a really scary prayer, and it's one I'm almost afraid to pray. But I do trust him and believe that he's big enough to hold that pain. And actually, when you hear the stories of Christians doing amazing things, often at the start, there's an encounter with Jesus and just an experience of his compassion for the lost and for the broken and for the hurting. And it doesn't break those people, it moves them to action. So as Jesus looks at the people, he sees they are harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. And I think these are interesting words. They're not poor or hungry or ill or homeless, though they probably were many of those things as well. They are harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. And this phrase is used a couple of times in the Old Testament, talking about God's people being without a leader. And often we see God described as the shepherd of his people. And having no shepherd means there's no protector to fight off the wolf and the bear. Um, No leader, no guide. And even our practical ministries here are about so much more than meeting a physical need, aren't they? We are here to be an advocate for those who have no one to advocate for them. And we are here to restore people's hope. We often refer to the ministries that come under the storehouse banner as our compassion ministries, and they obviously are. But I think when Jesus looks at our town with compassion, he doesn't only see our storehouse clients. There are plenty of people with no need for a food parcel or physical healing who are still harassed and helpless. Um, They're stuck in a stressful job, they're unhappy in their marriage, struggling with issues around identity, and feeling like they have no hope for the future. And Jesus longs to send us out to them too. I know personally I have never felt more harassed or helpless than as a new mum, a sleep-deprived parent. And we live in a society where parents are extremely isolated and without supportive mentors. And they 
are like sheep without a shepherd. And I think our Vibes ministry that provides the parent and child music classes here on a Wednesday is as much a way of reaching out to our town with compassion as our storehouse ministries. And I know that the friendship and support that are offered by all our ministries are just as important as meeting people's practical needs. So having talked about people being without a shepherd, Jesus then swaps the metaphors and starts talking about the harvest and praying for workers to go out into his harvest field. And I think this is the next way we stop being burnt out. It's look to the Lord of the harvest. Um, God is the Lord of the harvest, and we just have to partner with him. So before we do anything, we should pray. I think it's really important for us to realize that actually Jesus is at work in his harvest field, and he just invites us to partner with him. He's already at work in the lives of people in our town, and he has ministries mapped out that could meet their needs, and we just need to partner with him. It says in Ephesians, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if we want to avoid disillusionment, we just need to stick close to Jesus and try and discern what he's doing and respond to it. And I think if we can do that, then we can have peace and the burden can be easy and it can be light. And I've really felt this since taking on the responsibility for leading children's ministry. It's taken me a long journey to get here of being burnt out in other places. Um, But now I can see in this ministry that Jesus has a plan and he's leading the way. It's busy and it's challenging and it's exhausting, um, but it's not overwhelming. And this morning I'm exhausted because we were at a conference all weekend, but I'm excited and a little terrified to be here because I feel like I'm doing what God's asked me to do. I'm saying what he's asked me to say And doing what God has asked you to do is a really exciting place to be. So Jesus has a plan for us. He has ministries that we can be involved in, but we actually need to say yes. 18 months ago, I had just agreed to take on the role of overseeing the children's ministry when I went to the last um, Vineyard National Children's Leaders Conference, which is where I've been this weekend. And having accepted the role... I did that because I could see it needed doing, and Stephen asked me, and it kind of aligned with my skills, and it aligned with my general passions, but I went to that weekend without any clear vision of really kind of what the children's ministry would mean, Um, and when I was there, I heard, as I did this weekend, amazing stories about what God is doing through children all around the Vineyard Movement, and I was challenged by God to expand my expectations for our children's (laughs) ministry here. And somebody prayed for me that weekend, and they just said really quite simply, you can have all of that stuff, the stuff that you've heard, the kingdom breakthrough that children's ministries are seeing, you can have it, but if you want it, you have to be prepared to lead it. Um, So God has stuff for us, but we have to say yes. I could have chosen to play safe and to caretake that ministry, but actually over the last year or so, the team and I, we've been pushing into that kingdom stuff because we believe that God has more for our children. So, if we want to not get burnt out, we have to work where the harvest is. Jesus says there is a harvest. Um, And I think the harvest image is a really interesting one, particularly if you contrast it with the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, because I often think of kingdom work in terms of sowing. And while I was working on this talk, I snuck off um, to plant some peas. Um, And it's a really hit and miss 
business planting, I've already lost the first lot of seeds because they just totally failed to germinate. Uh, so I had to buy some young plants. I had to cheat. Um, and I've planted those. And it was... I, I love my garden. It was an enjoyable thing to do. But I have no idea if they're going to survive the slugs and the pigeons and if we're actually going to get any peas. Um, and that's what sowing is like. And that's often what ministry is like. We just sow and we're just faithful. Um, however... I also harvested a few strawberries in the garden while I was out there. And that is much more rewarding. Um, so I think if you are feeling disillusioned, just follow the harvest. Look for where God is at work. Look for the thriving ministries and join in there. We all need to sow. We do. We need to sow into our families and our workplaces and the hard places in this world. It is faithful and it's necessary work. And we have no way of knowing what impact that will have. But there are also places we can be involved where the hard work has been done and the watering's been done and it's just time to harvest. Um, And what a privilege to partner with Jesus in his field. And often we can do that without even leaving this building. There is so much that goes on here during the week. Obviously, it's busy on a Sunday, but there are so many things that happen during the week that you may just not be aware of. Alpha, that's been running the last few weeks, they typically have 20 people here on a Thursday night, wanting to explore what it means to be friends with Jesus. Storehouse, last week, 35, typically 35 people each week. Storehouse Saturday, typically 20 families coming in on a Saturday. The Vibes um, music group that I mentioned earlier, last week, 107 children split over three sessions, plus their parents. Tasty Teas, last week, there were 31 people coming for a meal and just for relationship. These people are coming to us, and they are looking for Jesus' compassion. And the numbers in those ministries just seem to keep growing. Here in our church, the harvest is plentiful. So work where the harvest is. If you're feeling burnt out, join something that is fruitful and just see God at work. I think also, though, we need to notice and celebrate the harvest. I think sometimes we just need to stop and look Um, and see how what we are doing is part of God's harvest and part of his plan here. Um, For those of you who are on Sunday teams, it can be a slog, can't it? (laughs) For the worship teams and the production team, have you stopped to notice how your ministry helps people connect with Jesus? And isn't that what we're all about? Whether we're working in storehouse or we're here on a Sunday morning, we want to help people connect with Jesus. But Almost more importantly, sorry, worship team, welcome, coffee, car parking, the venue teams. Have you stopped to notice how what you are doing is helping people connect with Jesus? Because if you get that wrong, they don't stay. (laughs) Or they come into the worship in not a very good place. (laughs) If if somebody's been rude to them in the car park, or they've got lost, but they couldn't find a parking space. Um, People don't come ready to meet with Jesus. Those ministries are so important to what we do here and being a welcoming church and just being open to new people coming and joining us. Have you ever had that experience of visiting a church and not being able to find a place to park? Um, Or as somebody shared with me recently, being told off for drinking the setup team's coffee. I really hope that would never happen here. Um, If any of those things have happened to you here, we are so sorry. That is not our vision. Um, But if you have ever felt awkward in a church, you will know why the church growth experts say these things are so important to whether people stay in a church or not. When Luke Geraghty was here a few weeks ago, he was saying that in America they reckon 50% of people decide whether to stay judged on the toilets. (laughs) These things matter. 
And because they matter to people, they matter to Jesus, and they should matter to us. Um, They're vital for our church growth. And have you noticed that our church is growing? Um, We changed from having one Sunday morning service um, each Sunday to two services, and we doubled our workload. And many of you have felt the strain, but we did it to make room for more people to join us, and they have. I'm sure if you've been in church a while, you'll have noticed things are growing. When we first started those two services, often the second service was really quite empty. But that was kind of the point. We wanted to make room for new people joining us. And people don't come and stay if they don't feel there's any room for them. Now, I might get told off by Steve for doing this because it's not terribly visitor-friendly. But if you have joined the church since we've had two services... Or even, so even if it's your first time today, would you mind raising your hand? So if you've joined the church since October 2016, can you raise your hand? Yeah. So new people are coming. It doubled our workload, but it was worth it because we've made room for people. And it's just so easy not to notice the harvest while we're busy working. Um, I've... Just a little glimpse of my Sunday morning. So a few, it was probably last half term, I think. Um, we had a really busy service. And it was half term, so it should not have been a busy service. So much so that actually I had to come down and hoik Trevor out of the service to come and help us down there, which I don't think I, think I might have done that one other time, had to come and bring somebody out of the service. Um, and it was busy, busy, busy. Um, and Steve asked me at the end of the service, because he often comes down to see how things are, how was it? It was busy. I had to get Trevor to come and help. We didn't have enough people. And then after I got home and I had lunch, because that normally sorts things out on a Sunday, we're normally pretty broken as a family by the time we get home for Sunday lunch, I just stopped and I reflected on the morning. And I thought, that was an amazing morning. And I nearly missed it. Um, We often do ministry with the children, so we get them to spread around the room just to catch from God. I'll talk a little bit about that, what it means later, but to hear from God, to experience Jesus' presence. So I did that, but the room was full of visiting children, and I did it because it like, that's what we do. We have to be faithful in this stuff if we want to see God move. Um, so they all spread out. We had a ministry time. We had a song. I grabbed the mic, and I said, okay, so has God spoken to anybody? My faith was down on the floor, because had it been me, I wouldn't, even if I'd been one of the bravest kids, I wouldn't necessarily have been prepared to share in that environment with a busy room of people that they didn't know. But the kids were... Amazing. I f- Do you remember Challenge Annika? She had one of these, and she ran around over the country in a helicopter. I don't know what she's doing, but she ran around with a microphone. I was like Challenge Annika that morning. Loads of the children wanted to share the words and the pictures that God had given them during ministry time. We had two children share pictures that were the same picture. How encouraged were they and the rest of us when I noticed. Um, actually, God had spoken to them with the same picture. Now, we are still working on interpretations. I think we're very much at the literal stage now with the kids. They are having pictures, but what amazing God that we have, that he would encourage those kids by giving them the same picture. But you know what? I have shared that story. I have dined off that story for weeks. Um, I've shared it with my team because I think it's so encouraging, but I nearly missed it. When Steve asked me at the end of the service, I was so focused on the fact I was tired and it had been crazy and it hadn't gone to plan because we should have had more team members and I hadn't done it right, that I nearly missed it. We just need to stop and notice the harvest sometimes. 
It's really interesting that I've planning, been planning to speak on these verses since January, and you may have noticed there have been quite a lot of talks on serving over the recent weeks as I watched the videos. That I, I had this plan before. <laughs> um, but in January, I would have looked at the children's ministry and my team, and I would have told you that the harvest was plentiful and the workers were few. But as we'd moved to two services, we'd stretched our teams, and lots of people like that having lots of teams had kind of stretched themselves to accommodate that. But actually, in January, things had pretty much settled down, and we were ticking along comfortably. Um, since January, uh, no, sorry, last year, we registered about 30 new children over the course of the year, about seven or eight every quarter, every three months. Um, weekly attendance was growing, um, and things were just gently expanding. We had a thriving children's ministry, um, and it's always a challenge to keep the teams full. However, since January, things have got much, much busier in kids. Um, We registered 15 children in the first quarter of this year, which was double last year's average, and 22 new children since the beginning of April. And as a result, our weekly attendance has also kind of spiked since then. Um, So now I'm really telling you that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And we are reaping the harvest. That is not my hard work. I don't know where these people are coming from. (laughs) I'm busy down there on a Sunday morning getting ready to welcome them. Actually, I do know where some of them are coming from because I know some of you are fantastic at inviting your friends. Um, Because I speak to people and say, oh, so how did you find us? And they tell me who they're friends with. Um, And I think we're seeing the fruit of years of doing vibes and make lunch, and we're kind of reaping the harvest from other people. Um, But yeah, so it is a really exciting place to be in. And we have an amazing kids team, but we really could do with a few more. Um, We are actually looking at a situation now where we could probably do with an extra helper in each of our groups in order that we don't have to turn kids away on a Sunday morning, because lots of those new children are in our younger groups, which means we need lots of helpers. Um, Yeah, so we need 24 new people um, to join our team if we want to do that, if we want to expand those groups. And uh, I think the fact that God gave me these verses in January was just partly for me to say, it's okay, I told you this was going to happen, and just an encouragement that he is going to raise up people to come and join our team. We're also, kind of as a side note, looking at possibly we're going to need to expand our space. Over the summer, our youngest group of members are going to move down and they're going to use the storehouse cafe on a Sunday morning um, just to have a bigger room so that that group can grow. Um, And we will probably, longer term, be looking to develop rooms for our under fives. So the harvest is plentiful. And what an amazing privilege to share with kids each week. Some who come from families that don't know Jesus. And it's so exciting to see our kids enthusiastically praying for healing and seeing God heal. Um, And partnering with God in his harvest field has stopped me being burnt out. Because who can be burnt out when you see God at work? It's an exciting place to be. Um, Next thing, to avoid... Well, I don't know if it's to avoid being burnt out, but I think it's a lesson from the disciples. Don't wait for the perfect time. Don't just start now. Um, I'm so encouraged by those 12 disciples, because obviously they're amazing, and they go on to be the founders of the church, minus Jesus. But remember where this story comes. We're only in chapter 10. So far, we've seen Jesus do and teach amazing things, and now he gives them authority to do the same. And I'm not one to argue with Jesus, but I'm not sure that they're ready. Um, We've still got feeding the four and the 5,000 to come, where they literally totally miss the point. Um, And I don't think they really understand who Jesus is yet, because it's not till chapter 16 that Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah. Yet Jesus sends them out anyway, 
and he gives them authority. And we read in the other Gospels that they did indeed do what Jesus did, driving out demons and healing many people. Only I am one to argue with Jesus, because how many times have I said, I'm not sure I'm ready? And I think his encouragement to us this morning is, don't wait. Jesus tells his disciples, don't get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey, no extra shirt or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Jesus is saying, just go, don't pack a big case, just go as you are. The harvest time is now, and it won't wait. And I know, personally, it's easy to think that there's a day in the future when life will be easier, um, and that we'll have more time to do stuff. Um, When you're a student, when my exams are over, when you're a parent, when my baby sleeps, when I get a new, easier job, when my kids start school, um, and I'm going to be 39 this year, and I still don't feel I have any time to spare My kids do sleep, and they're older, and they're less demanding. Um, But now we have different challenges. We have family illness and parents who need supporting. So the dynamic has changed again. We can't wait for the mystical day in the future. Uh, But God doesn't want us to be burnt out now either. And life is a marathon and a sprint if we're lucky. Not a sprint if we're lucky. So we need to build a life now where the way we spend our time really reflects our priorities, that we do the stuff that God's called us to, not all the other stuff, so that we don't get burnt out. And I love this quote from J.K. Rowling. People often say to me, how did you do it? How did you raise a baby and write a book? And the answer is, I didn't do housework for four years. I'm not a superwoman, and um, living in squalor, that was the answer. This one particularly resonates with me. Um, (laughs) But there she had her priority. She had her family and she had her book and those were her priorities and she let the other stuff go. Um, And I heard something, I'm not sure if I heard this in my uh, last talk, it's obviously something I'm still learning, that when we're thinking about how we should spend our time or all the stuff on our to-do list, rather than saying, I don't have time to, we should replace it with, it's not a priority to, and kind of sit with that and see how it feels. So rather than, I don't have time now to listen to my child, I'm cooking, it's not a priority to listen to my child. Rather than, I'm too busy to read books, it's not a priority to me to read books. It's not a priority to me to vacuum my house. Now, some of those I can actually live with, as you will find out if you turn out up at my house unannounced. Um, and I just need to own up to the fact that it's not because it's not, I'm too busy. It's because actually I am prioritizing other stuff. And dust bunnies are just not top of my priority list. Sorry, Mum. There are other things that need to be a priority and I need to make time. Now, I'm not encouraging you all to give up on vacuuming because I think some of you are much more gifted in hospitality than I am. And actually, that might be an important part of your ministry. Um, but Maybe God is speaking to some of you, like he is to me, about cutting back on your Facebook or your Netflix habit. And actually, maybe for some others, he is challenging you to make big life adjustments um, to make time for what matters. So, also, we need to take risks. Jesus said, just go. Don't pack a big case. Just go as you are. The harvest time is now and it won't wake. And I think um, this is a call to take risks and to live by faith. If we're following God's lead and serving his agenda, he often calls us to live outside our comfort zone, where we need to trust him. We might need to trust him to provide for our practical needs, as the disciples did here, or it may be just trusting that God's spirit is with us and that he will speak through us when we open our mouths. Um, As Jesus promised a few verses later when he warned that there would be opposition, but he would give them the words. 
And I think living on the edge of our comfort zone, having to ask God to meet our needs, taking a risk and sharing that prophetic word, keeps us trusting in God. It helps us to avoid complacency, and it helps us to avoid being burnt out, because we see God answer those prayers. I think it's hard to forget to pray and to seek God when you really need him. So the last thing from uh, the passage that stops us getting burnt out is be part of a team. Mark tells us later that Jesus doesn't send out the 12 disciples alone. He sends them out two by two. And when they come back, they celebrate all together and with Jesus. And I think actually of all these things, this is the thing that stops me from packing it all in. It is friends and doing this stuff together. We need people to work alongside us and come together and celebrate what God is doing. And if you're serving in an environment where you are the only Christian, it is really hard. I know when I was teaching, how much I valued the kind of one other Christian on the staff that I could go and pray with regularly. It's just important to keep us going. And I hope as we invite people to our join the church and to be joining this harvest, I hope as I invi- if I invite you to join the children's ministry, I am not inviting you to fill a wrap gap in my rota. I am inviting you to join the team. And as we serve alongside each other in church, it's where we build relationships and we start to feel at home. And I find it um, really challenging at this stage of life to make it to a connect group. And I spend most of my Sundays down there with the kids But I feel well-connected and well-supported because I get to serve each week with my friends. And being part of a team is such a great way to feel at home here. So if we want to be sold out for Jesus and not burnt out for Jesus, these are the things that I think we need to think about. Be part of a team. Take risks. Start now. Don't wait to be ready. Notice and celebrate the harvest. Work where the harvest is, look to the Lord of the harvest, and start with Jesus' compassion. Look to him for his heart and follow that heart.